slides, that time was even more anointed. And I actually did some study this week, and coincidentally, I found out they didn't have slides back in Jesus' day. So we're, uh, we're in good company. Hey, uh, my name's Andy, and thank you. Brian, love that guy. Alicia, love you. Love your keys. Gabe's around here somewhere. And then Greg, thank you, brother. Uh, you will hear from them again. Today's going to have a few parts to it. One, I want to do an exercise that I think will be kind of fun. One, I think I'm going to show a video of some historical context, just because the book we are in uh, figuratively and literally feels like foreign territory for a lot of us. And if you were here last week, I did this pretty fun analogy with our boy Ben, where I was hugging him and then running from him, and I represented the people of Israel, and what led them to what seems like divine retribution, which is something that we are wrestling with in and throughout this series. Um, but... Uh, you know, I'm a fan of the crew at Bible Project. Anybody ever hear of them? If you ever like, want to show something to your kids or learn something your own about a book in the Bible, it's a great place to search. And uh, I want to show that video of just showing you a little bit more about the book of Amos. And then we're going to have a fun exercise, and then we'll do some reflecting on the passage, which is fairly long today. So uh, let's, without further ado, let me know how it sounds in the back, Greg, if you can hear this. So... I love those videos. Uh, each week, I want to give somewhat of a historical perspective of where we are, just because, again, it can feel like foreign territory. But also in Lent, it's a great season to recognize our need for Easter and to look through the eyes of God's ancient people of what they were looking for, uh, this messianic king. I think it's good to understand a bit of our own history of our, our faith and our worldview. And uh, some of the themes that we'll talk about each week, we're going to talk about injustice at the end of every conversation, a certain form of it. Uh, but we want to talk about meeting with the God who is, what worship can be and what is wasted worship, uh, speaking truth as prophets versus tickling people's ears, and then uh, that t term of just mercy, which is a great book, by the way, if you haven't ever read that. Um, and so themes that we're going to see are justice, righteousness, as they said in that video, mercy, and, and that also means that we'll be exposed to injustice. And the passage for today is, is littered with injustice. Um, and before we head into that dark territory, I, I wanted to have a conversation about your story of justice. I wanted to ask you, Alicia, uh, I wanted to ask you, Jared, hey, what is your ongoing story of justice? And by that, what I mean is this. What are the ways that you've seen, witnessed, experienced, or may even participated God bring a correction to wrong areas, broken and hurting places in our world? How have you seen that growing up? How have you experienced that in your life? What themes has God peppered or maybe even doused your life with? And so let me, let me model an example. In high school, uh, my dad was a teacher, my mom was a pharmacist, Middle-class family, great family, dope. And uh, we, they would take kids in. Uh, my dad was a basketball kid. Uh, mostly people in our community who played basketball were more uh, deprived. And uh, he, kids would lose their parents because of socioeconomic situations. And kids would move into my house. And I'd share a room, ninth grade, with D'Artez Major. And then 10th grade, Ed Stevens. And then Matt Thompson lived with us my senior year. That was the way I was exposed to God's uh, ongoing story of justice. In college, as a party rat slash working rat, I still created space to work in an Emmaus house, 
mainly because I got to eat all the food I wanted and do my laundry. However, it was a house for women under domestic abuse, and I was called to guard it all night. It was a great place for me. It anchored me, but the food was great too. Uh, Post-college, as an engineer, I, I worked with Nativity Prep for underprivileged kids down in Golden Hill that got scholarships in the school. And then even as I started to come to faith more holistically, uh, I, alongside Casey, this is where I met Casey, Matt, and all them, and we, we built homes in TJ. So that's just a list of ki- parents taking kids in. Uh, Emmaus House in college. Uh, mentoring post-college. As I got older, building homes in TJ, I want you to take a moment and write down your ongoing story of justice. How have you witnessed, and you didn't have to participate in it, but maybe you saw your neighbors or some family members or friends just that, that affected you in a way that God's trying to get your attention. I want you to take time and just write those down. I put down connection cards beside you, and I got pens today from Walgreens. We don't have slides, but we got pens, people. So uh, if, you need, uh, if you need that, I'd love for you to sing through like some themes and write them down. Take a minute or two. Just major themes. Don't overthink it. Just how you witness God's hand in and through others or even yourself these seasonal anchors of justice. How's everybody doing? Need any more time? So here's something that I want us to just practice. And this is an imperfect art, so be completely free. What may be, as you look at that list, the prophetic principle that God is, is giving you? And you may not have heard of that term before, and you would be right, because I made it up. But... The idea is this. Pastors love alliteration, but the idea is what are you sensing from God as you look at these seasonal anchors of justice in your life? What are you sensing the word that God may have for you? And I know hearing from God can feel like super spiritual or Christianese. Um, So some helpful criteria is, one, what are you sensing within you? The Holy Spirit speaks to to our heart. In many ways, it's the inaudible voice. The spirit isn't necessarily um, sensical at times. Scripture says that it's the foolishness of God that's greater than the wisdom of this world. Isaiah also writes that God's ways are not our ways. So what are you sensing within you? And, And is what you're sensing loving in some way, shape, or form? And just as importantly, does it align with the character and priorities of Jesus Christ? who is sacrificially loving and faithful. Another helpful criteria is you discern like, hey, Lord, what are you saying to me through this list? Is it biblical or is it contra-biblical? And uh, how does it resonate maybe with others who love God and love you? So take a minute as you hear all that and just take a risk and be like, hey, Lord, what are you trying to say to me through this list? And for me, I'll give you my example. So as I looked at my list, taking kids in, working in Emmaus' house, I sense from the Lord this week, hey, the Lord telling me, no matter how hard you work, Andy, for, the, for you and yours, and you tend to do so, son, don't, don't forget about my hospitality for those who need a home. Remember my hospitality. That's a prophetic principle that I have from God. It, it's, that's mine. I'm going to own that. Could be yours, but in my sense is God has something very unique for you. Again, it's loving, it looks like Jesus, 
It can be challenging. It may not make sense. That's okay. And if you're having difficulty with this exercise, let that be your offering to God as well. If you don't have a word, that's okay. You don't have to have a word that doesn't say anything about who God is or who you are. That said, I think it'd be fun to, if you're willing and you don't have to, um, to share with somebody beside you, to take a moment and share. And if there's somebody new here, family, we'd love for you to like get to know them and, and maybe hear from them. Not maybe, hear from them, okay? But if, again, if that feels like a little too much for you, be free. Be like, oh, I'm okay. All right, so uh, that said, take a moment just to share with one another. Maybe just go through your list, bullet, line item, line item. You can exposit on one and then share what you believe God may be speaking to you through that list. Time to hang. Let's take, uh, let's finish up. I feel like we're all hanging out. I think we're done, right? Oh, Larry's got one more? Okay. Paper Bible, does anybody need one since we don't have the slide? Here you go, Amos. You can keep it too, baby. Great. Thank you. All right, cool. Thank you. No problem, baby. Love you, man. All right. What up, dude? Hey, how's it going so far? Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are good looking. Yo, uh, you're all right, Jared. So here we go. Let's come back. I would personally love to hear any prophetic principles that you all received. Uh, We're going to continue with some scripture, some commentary, and then some reflections based on that. Um, It's Lent, as you may know. Lent comes from the Greek word lengthening, Greek or Latin. uh, But Lent is way more than celebrating spring. Uh, Lent reminds us that we all struggle with spiritual amnesia. Lent's a reminder of the ways to contemplate and reflect our lives and the ways of the world and recognize our need for Jesus, uh, the Savior, this risen God who dies for our mistakes, our failures, our sins. And uh, we recognize with that our need for the cross and Jesus on it. Lent is also a good time to practice what we just did. to to consider the ways that God wants and is speaking to us in real time, to perk up our prophetic ears, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it's helpful to consider God's ongoing stories of justice in our own lives as we head into what will be some unjust territory. And today's scripture is long. It's long, so maybe that just might be your offering to God today. It's like, all right, Lord, I'm here, and I'm just going to read this. And uh, we don't have it on the screen. I have a couple of Bibles if people want to read it from a Bible. You also have really neat apps on your phone and the internet. If you go to BibleGateway.com and just type in the search bar Amos 2-3 or version, if you have that. And I'll give you a minute or two. Just want to hand out these Bibles again. I'm sorry about the lack of slides. Anybody need one? 
It's right in the middle. Go right a little bit. You'll see names like Ezekiel, and then you'll see like Hosea and Joel, and then you'll find Amos. It's really small. We're in Amos chapter 2. We're going to start in verses, uh, I believe, 6. And if you remember from that Bible Project video, the prophet who's from Judah travels north to its brother town, almost seems like a stepbrother at this point, to Israel, the northern kingdom, declares all these decrees around the surrounding kingdoms. Israel's like, yes, until the prophet says the following. And here we are in Amos chapter 2, verses 6, we're going through 3, verse 15. Buckle up. Deep breath. Everybody just breathe in. Exhale. This is what the Lord says, verse 6. For three sins of Israel, even four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. The innocent were likely those sold for failing to repay small debts. Verse 7, they trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Justice was written throughout God's law. It's actually for most kings in the ancient Near East. It was a priority. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. Whoever this girl is, this is a breakdown of God's law and a breaking of God's heart in so many ways. They lie down beside every altar and on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they drink wine taken as fines. So this is about exorbitant claims, false charges, ill-gotten gains while worshiping idols. This is God speaking. Yet I destroyed the Amorites before them. Though they were tall as cedars and as strong as oaks, I destroyed their fruit above and their roots below. God's recalling removing the Canaanites and their evil influences from the promised land. Verse 10, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you up out of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to give you the land of Amorites. God's reminding them of the mighty Exodus event. God's and Israel's saving event for the Old Testament. I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from among your youths. Is this not true, people of Israel, declares the Lord? He rises up spokespersons to call them home. Verse 12, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. In scripture, we'll see a, a continual disdain, disdain for God's prophets that leads up into through Jesus. So now we've re- finished this section, and we're going to enter into the punitive consequences, the continual consequences f- for those who defy God and God's ongoing patience. Verse 13, now then I will crush you, as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape, the strong will not muster their strength, and the warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground, and the fleet-footed soldier will not get away, and the horseman will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. This is all an allusion to the ways in which Assyria, 40 years from this moment, will come and conquer not only the surrounding nations, but the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, In the poetry that is also prophecy, it's also an allegory of that final day when God will bring final and just judgment. Chapter 3, verse 1. Hear this word, people of Israel. 
The word the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. So there's something that happens when you become anointed and chosen as a people. Doesn't necessarily happen, but that spiritual anointing can very well lead to spiritual complacency and independence. The misbelief that because you have the favor of God, you can do whatever you want. There's something we have to take hold of, particularly when we think about our faith as fire insurance. I said the prayer, and now I'm anointed. God has so much more for us. And God's people are now going to be humbled because they forgot their promises that God made with Abraham, that you would be a people, and your people would be a blessing, and you would bless other nations. So God starts entering into a bunch of questions that almost look like Job questions, but they're not. They're actually questions that have pretty easy answers. Verse 3, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to a trap on the ground when, there, when no bait is there? Does a trap spring up from the ground if it has caught nothing? These actually aren't unanswerable questions. If you and I agree to walk together, we will walk together. And what the, the prophet is saying here is there's causality. There's a cause and effect to the ways that we live. There are, as that, that project, Bible project video said, there's consequences particularly for those who have a great calling and have been given great responsibility and resources to do so, if they fail or if we fail to do that, consequences will ensue. This is just a reflection on cause and effect. Verse 6, when a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble. When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. These last two phrases are kind of hard for me. I, I wrestle with them. I can only tell you what my studies show, but I sense there's a lot of beauty and a lot of wonder and a lot of mystery and reverence that's commanded here. I think what we need to recognize is that God gives forewarning. That's who God is. And God in his grace and mercy allows our consequences to humble us in a way that we can turn back to the one, the only one who fulfill us. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? Proclaim to the fortresses of Ashad and to the fortresses of Egypt. These are two countries called as a witness. Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria. See the great unrest within her and the oppression among her people. Again, this is oppression for those who are oppressed, which brings a lot of solace to the oppressed. They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord, who store, who store up in their fortresses what they have plundered and looted. The principle here is when prosperity depends on oppression, the wealth will erode. The wealth will erode. It will be taken away. We don't know when, but it will be taken away. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. An enemy will overrun the land and pull down your strongholds and plunder your fortresses. 
This is what the Lord says. As a shepherd rescues from the mouth only two legs, bones, or a piece of ear, so will the Israelites living in Samaria be rescued with only the head of a bed and a piece of fabric from a couch. Whew. Hear this and testify against the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. On the day I will punish Israel for his sins, I will destroy the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. Again, the first king of the northern kingdom set up golden calves in defiance of the God Almighty. I will tear down the winter house along with the summer house. The houses adorned with ivory will be destroyed and the mansions will be demolished, declares the Lord. Everybody take a deep breath. That is God's word for us. That's God's word for us. We made it. So if you can recall from the Bible project video, they had a list of the wealthy ignoring the poor, selling the oppressed into slavery, denying them legal representation, taking advantage of the courts. But there's a lot more in there. There's uh, gross acts of sexual sin, uh, using God's temple for ill-gotten gains. Later, later, they'll even talk about agricultural levies and economic fraud. It's like, whoa. And uh, this was an Israel's stubborn refusal as God faithfully sought her. And, and when we read all that, what we are being exposed to is different social injustices. Now, I know that term social justice can be a buzzword for a lot of us today, especially uh, in our bipartisan society. So call it biblical justice, call it what you will. Either way, God cares about these issues and doesn't just look at them from person to person, though God does, because God wants our best for us and in the mystery from us. But God looks at the ways of, of groups and groups of people, uh, in this case, a nation that collectively hurt others and break God's heart. It breaks God's heart to see us hurting others. So the, we can't ignore these. Uh, no matter what you think sociopolitically, we have to think through like, hey, what are these collective injustices that break the heart of God? And, and we'll talk more about this next week, but one of the ways that ancient Hebrews writers write is through a, a, a chiasm. They're trying to drive you to a central point. And stylistically, they'll use repetition to do so. So we'll see some of these injustices repeated again. It's also a really beautiful way to punctuate in a time where they didn't have our modern view of punctuation formatting. But some repetition that we'll see is they sell the innocent for silver. That's Amos 2, and the needy for a pair of sandals. Amos 6, we're going to read again, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Amos 2.7, trampling the heads of the poor. Amos 8.4, trampling the needy. Amos 2.14, the swift will not escape. Amos 9, none will escape. We'll all have to be called into account. So what does God have for us as we read a passage like this? This is somewhat the role, as we, as we hear all these words, what, God, what may God be wanting to say to us, to make us aware of? Again, this isn't about wokeness. This is about awareness. So the first thing I want to say, and this is simple, and this would be a slide, so I'm going to hold my hands up when it's a slide, okay? Sin is not only individual. Sin can be and is a collective force. 
Sin is not only individual. Sin can be collective force. We have to debunk the idea that the only modes of evil in this world are the devil and the flesh. Jesus talks about the world. Paul talks about Ephesians 2 when he's classifying the modes of evil, the ways of the world. Uh, There are ways in which collective evils in this world, left unchecked, become systemic principalities. And I don't, I don't want to vilify every aspect of the world. I don't, I don't, I'm, not on that, I'm not on that bus either. I mean, having running water, dope. Public safety, pretty outstanding. Does things have their flaws? Sure, but it's, a, it's an awesome thing. I mean, do you know that there is a gas guy? This is what Rick told me the other day. That when you, there's a gas guy that goes to gas stations and measures uh, what the gas pump distributes to make sure that when you're paying $5.15 for a gallon of gas, that you're indeed getting a gallon of gas. That's like really neat. Your taxes pay for that guy. Your taxes are paying for that guy to make sure you're not getting, it's like really awesome, right? Pretty sweet, no? It's like a nerd moment. (laughs) But we also have to be aware in the way that there can be a collection of defiance and enmity or indifference in our world. We have to be aware of the systems that we live in. Um, just to consider that. That's the first reflection. The second reflection, as we consider justice socially, is over time, over time, tyrannical powers, whether it be nations, groups, powers, they will be humbled. It may not be the timing we think. I mean, Israel's hearing for Amos, and 40 years from now, that's when a is going to come in. And the prophet and the king still become more and more unjust, which is wild. Justice, judgment, mercy uh, doesn't just come to individuals when we die. It has come historically through collective forces. Just study your history books. When nations come to power, and those nations either function tyrannically or they become indifferent or complacent, Nations rise and nations fall. Powers rise and powers fall. Sin is not only individual. Sin can be a collective force. Second point is over time, tyrannical or even indifferent powers will be humbled if not overthrown. This is how God works in time. And as we mentioned last week, Amos is really hard for the circles of scholarship mainly within the North American and European realm. When other contexts read the book of Amos, more deprived contexts, they are given solace. This is one of those books that gives solace to so many. Because that is true, the third point today, the third point today is those at the top must critically consider the way we extort the poor. We at the top must critically consider the ways we extort the poor. That is, uh, that is huge. And yes, we started, well, there's a great list of social injustices here, but if you remember that list, God starts with the poor. God actually ends with the poor. And there's other parts there about how there's, poor worship and sexual injustices. But we really have to focus in on the ways in which 
our pursuit of wealth can come at the cost of others and even perhaps create other systems of injustice like sexual injustice, uh, people and people groups experiencing uh, different economic opportunities, so to speak. Either way, as followers of Jesus, you and I have to consider that whenever we receive, are we allocating, are we not only allocating what we have for the sake of the poor, but has what we received in any way, shape, or form taken advantage of others? We have to think about that. Moreover, when we buy and sell, is there any way in which our buying and selling takes advantage of others? They sell the needy for profit. They trample on the heads of the poor as they go to the marketplace. And yes, there's a lot more implications. We understand from this passage, the ways that we pray on the desperate are the ways in which we reject God. And Jesus loves us. He sure does love us. But we're not going to get in because we did everything right. We're going to get in because God's come to us. And God wants to reveal things to you. And God wants to heal us and make us aware of things. We're not going to change overnight. Even the actions we do, we're not going to, just like Israel being a small nation, there's no way that this movement here is going to change the economy or the dollar, but there are ways in which we can functionally think about the dollars that we receive and how we can allocate them to ensue smaller changes that become a bit larger movement. Lord, we need you to heal us in this. We need you to help us become aware of this. And this is why Lent is here. It is a time of examination that I don't, as a pastor, want to ignore. Those at the top, and most of us are up there hanging out and doing all right. We have to critically consider the ways that we can extort the poor. Jesus was really concerned with this as well. So I will end... I have it called Pastor's Corner. I called it that last week. It feels a little paternalistic. I get that. But uh, I'm ending with just some reflections. I want to end each of our messages in Lent with reflection on injustice. We talked about our stories of justice. What are the ways that you and I may have or have participated in financial injustices? Just to go to God with that. I'm not here to accuse anybody. I'm just here to reflect on this. And yeah, I'm thinking about that for myself in my own life. What are the ways that we've participated in or maybe excused financial injustices? This isn't about wokeness, this is about awareness, considering God's prophetic principles. Do we consider the ways that we personally or collectively manipulate legal systems or even banking systems to our favor? Do we consider the plights of those people and people groups stuck in consumer debt? It's not just like people who like don't have a budget. These are desperate people who are stuck in consumer debt. Have we considered those who may be displaced because of economic increases and inflation? Just to be aware of them and see them. Or when we buy our clothes, 
and we look at the label and recognize that we got it for half place, half price, do, do we recognize where these were made? I mean, there are kids in sweatshops making these clothes. Slavery is unfortunately alive and well today. We, we can't change it all, but we can become aware and we can make small steps to and with God as we seek to help those who have way less than we have. So I'm gonna end this section of the scripture today coming to our Lord Jesus and giving us space just to reflect. What may God wanna be saying to you and what may be our ongoing stories of injustice? What does God wanna say to us? Like an example for me is, you know, there are times where I feel like I've been taken advantage of with, this, with some projects um, that I've been working on. And I just need to tell Jesus, like, okay, um, you've got control of this, and maybe the money we paid out is going to somebody who really needs that. That's the big thing. Maybe you felt like you paid too much, but maybe God wanted to use that money to help somebody. Maybe that's somehow getting to somebody who needs that. And perhaps maybe we shouldn't be trying to whittle people down as we negotiate prices, but consider systems that are perhaps trying to help people. There's this thought to that, something I've been processing. So what may God want to be speaking to you when it comes to your finances in this season? Take a moment to reflect. I'm going to get some water. All right. So what may God be saying to us as we perk up our prophetic ears? Whatever you're hearing from God, let it be couched by this truth that you're loved by God, and he wants to walk with you wherever God wants to walk with you. Uh, some next steps for this message is, hey, continue to attend church. <laughs> oh, yeah, next steps, thanks. Touchdown! Continue to attend uh, during this time of Lent, and if you, want, if you like, read Amos 4 and 5 in this next week. And then in our crew conversations, I, this, this is going to be, pretend I'm doing that. Discuss how you want to budget life um, with someone who loves you. And this doesn't have to mean like spreading, sharing, spreading, sharing spreadsheets or your budget. It's about sharing what's God's budgetary vision for your life. Like, hey, I know for my life, like I'm sensing this calling and I want you to know so that you can keep me accountable. Or I, I, I want you to know because I haven't said it to anybody and I, just, I need to be freed from this thought of me and God, I want, I want to experience more freedom by sharing it with others. And of course, if you want to come with us on a trip, you can. We've got a house building trip coming up in Mar uh, May. There's that camp, which I would love for us to rally some kids who would need a free camp. And then, yeah, the door of faith, if you're coming, let me know ASAP. All right? I'm going to invite the band up and uh, yeah, you won't know the lyrics to this song, but let that be a continuing prayer and just move your lips the same. I'm going to pray for us. God, we thank you um, that you love us so much that you don't want to hide truth from us. That you said, Jesus, it's the truth that sets us free and that you want freedom for us. You want freedom for your people. That even in that book, though it feels so difficult, there's always hope. So, King, would you have your ways with us? We commit ourselves to you again and again. 
Continue this conversation as you continue to heal us. Allow us to be your wounded healers, risen Savior, um, as we step into this world that so desperately needs you. And would you free us from our finances? Please, God, we need this freedom so that we could see uh, the world and the way that it is, a world that needs you and your kingdom. Thank you for your cross. May we recognize that it's difficult, but it is the path towards life. We pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you please stand with us?